Welcome to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. Just got back from the ABCA Coaches Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. It was a ton of fun. So I was so happy to be able to just reconnect with with old friends that I haven't seen in a while and, and make and develop new relationships with, with new coaches and just love learning, love growing as always, as I'm sure most of you know. So it was, it was a ton of fun. It was a great experience as it always is going to that convention. On today's episode, we have Brett Carroll. Brett currently started a, a travel baseball organization in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's called BC Athletics. And they have their own baseball facility, travel baseball organization. They have a post-grad program. And so we, we talk a lot about travel baseball, the, the pros and the cons in, in this episode and, and what Brett sees. So Brett played professional baseball. He played in the major leagues. And so he's able to, to help these kids out from a development standpoint because of his experience as a player and, you know, not, and, and understands that just development isn't solely metrics and analytics, but there's, there's an art to it as well, especially when it comes to hitting. And so we, we also get into, you know, post-grad, you know, especially with the way the transfer portal is now, kids having to go and, and potentially, you know, spend an extra year development year after high school. And, and that's something that Brett offers as well. So we get into that stuff too. But Brett's an awesome guy. I've known him for a few years now. We've both been spoken at TJ Wharton's Connecting the Dots conference the last two years. So I was happy to be able to get him on the podcast and I look forward to to continuing to follow from afar his travel baseball organization. I am taking on more high school baseball players for my recruiting program. So if you're a high school baseball player, and you're interested in playing college baseball, I do have openings now for my recruiting program. So if you email jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com, I'll respond back. We'll set up a time to talk and see if you would be a good fit for the program because I only want to work with players who who are hungry and are willing to put in the work to play college baseball. So if that's you, then shoot me an email, jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, here is now my episode with Brett Carroll. Come on, Brett Carroll, to the podcast. Brett, appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Absolutely. Man, I'm honored to come on. Thanks for having me. So I think you you bring some really cool experience and knowledge and will to this episode being a former big leaguer and now, you know, staying in, in baseball and, and having, you know, your own facility and organization. And, and obviously we'll get, get into that too. But my first question is, did you ever envision yourself like staying in the game when you were playing? Did you want to stay, be coaching? Did you want to stay in pro ball? What was your vision towards the end of your career? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure. I mean, you, as my career started to kind of take different turns, I kind of started see okay you know it, it may be coming time soon you know and had the my first child was born and you know games getting younger i was getting older and it was just, i mean it was just the time and so i so i think there's some preparation prior to that day right because no one necessarily plans for that day i mean the reality of it is we don't get to all go out on a walk-off hit like Derek jeter did you know and right off into the sunset so yeah i, I really honestly the way some things it, it, truthfully just kind of in the raw emotion of when my career ended, I was like, man, I want to get out of baseball. I don't want to do anything to do with it. I've done this my whole life. I've grinded out. I've done, I've done the sacrifice. I'm, I'm ready to move on to something else. I'd rather learn a new skill, go back, finish, you know, 
finish my degree or what's whatever's next, you know? And so that's kind of where I was at. And so in the meantime, though, I, you know, being in this area, I wanted to give back and I thought, well, I'll do a couple camps. And right away, I just, it was kind of a calling. I mean, I was like, man, these kids don't, to no disrespect anyone else, but I didn't feel like they were learning actual the game and the baseball. And then the opportunity for mentorship and stuff, I was like, okay. So that kind of started leading to more conversations, right? And then asking some friends of mine who were in the industry. And I was like, you know, is this a way I can provide for my family? Like, I, you know, you're, you ask all those questions, right? And so it was kind of a, it was kind of a progression. People who knew me closest would say, you know, they, they could see me coaching. And I, I probably at the time didn't see that. I mean, I, I was, I had some offers to go back into professional ball and coach and be an output coordinator or, 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 or get potentially get into that. I know one organization in particular, but as I said, it was just what that timing for me, having two, I was just had our first daughter and then, you know, being on the road for 11 years and not counting college. It was just kind of like, I'm ready to be anchored down for a little bit. So what could I do? And so this was kind of that next phase that how it kind of came about. Brett, would you mind sharing the story of, of how your career ended? I, I, I vaguely remember you talking about how they put you on the DL. I thought yeah. that was just, it's just baseball, yeah. professional baseball. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, on the, I kind of joked like in professional baseball, you, you kind of live like Benjamin Button. You live a little bit backwards. Like I experienced a lot in my twenties and thirties that, you know, in normal corporate life, right. You're kind of work your way up on baseball. It's like, you got this small window to make it to the highest level if you can, and, or, you know, we're willing that happens. And, and so I was, you know, looking at, and I, I mean, I, my career, my last year, I was in Buffalo, New York, playing at AAA. And I knew going into spring training, it really was, they were, they were deep. They were, they were moving in the right movement with in right direction with some younger players. And they just said, Hey, we'd like to invite you down spring. No guarantees. You'll make a team. I was like, okay, that's great. I just looking for an opportunity. Things went, I think things went well, pretty good. And I broke with camp and AAA and you know, just, it was cold, cold for a while. And, and kind of, so was my game. And I was, I always thought like the, the DLs sometimes, right. When you have like a, a wrist contusion or something wrong that they can sometimes call the phantom. Now they just, now they've just done away with that. Now they, I think they legitimately call it like the DL and you have time to figure some stuff out. So just finished. That was kind of how it finished. And then I, so I end up, I'm sorry, short, I'm kind of on window. I was going to go to Mexico, ask for my release to, or they were going to loan me to Mexico to play. Cause I just wanted, I was like, Hey, if this is my end of my career, I'd, if I can, I'd love to just finish playing. And so they were, hey, they were agreed to that. And then things fell through with the Mexico, with Mexico, my birth and my daughter happened right around the time I came home. So then I was like, okay, what's next? And so they needed to know if I was going to come back. And I said, well, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to go a different route. So I went and actually played independent ball in Atlantic League. And we had a great season. And the championship game, I like two days before, I think I, I blow my calf out. So I didn't get a chance to play in the championship game. So, yeah, kind of a bummer the way it ended, but it's life, right? I mean, it happens. So what's, what's I, I think that was the story you're talking about. I don't know. No, no. I, yeah, I just, I remember them like ha like hiding you on the DL when you weren't oh, yeah. to be injured. Yeah, I was supposed to have a wrist contusion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> supposed, supposedly had a wrist. I was like, I was like, my wrist feels great. Can I, can I get some knocks tonight? Like, so, have a, yeah. what's one piece of advice you would, you would give yourself if you go back in time as a, as a, as a player? That's a great question. I know, I, I think hands down was to really be process driven, to really see the growth of, you know, I know it sounds cliche of that 1% every day, but just to really, because that could be the, my worst enemy, right? You can be so hard on yourself. You, 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 that like the biggest misconception of, of the game, I think in life is like, is, is the chase of perfection. I, I know that sounds great. And I think that's a good goal, but I think it's, you don't leave a lot of margin for failure, right? And mistakes for the game reveals that right away from youth ball to major leagues. And so I think if shifting my mindset to more pursuing excellence is a big difference, right? Because pursuing excellence is still like, hey, I'm going to give it my all. 
I'm, I'm all in. I'm going to show up and give work ethic. I'm going to take do take the steps, right? Like, but perfection just doesn't leave a lot because you, you, I mean, I mean, it's such a game of failure, right? It's the number one self-esteem crushing sport there is. So it's like, I, I think that's where you get hung up in that. And it's, it's reality because you want to do well. You want to have four hits a night. You want to get long lasting career in the big leagues or whatever level you're playing at. Like, but I think, yeah, just the process of, um, that positive encouragement of going, okay, yeah. So what? I can move on to the next day. Like just that happening sooner. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Are there a couple of different things that are examples of, of what would be, well, what would have been process driven for you? Like, would it be, Hey, I'm going to just focus on being on time here. I don't care what the, what the end result of the at-bat is. I'm just going to be on time or your tea routine or just like, what would, what would be an example of something that like, man, if I would have just done these couple of process oriented things, this would have helped me. Yeah, because I mean, I, I know for me, I did start to dial into that more towards the latter of my later of my career. And but yeah, I mean, just because I mean, I love to work, like meaning like I that wasn't necessarily something that was hard for me. I don't mean that's I, I just arrogant. I just mean like, okay, it calls for 100. I'm going to I'm going to do a little bit more, you know, whatever it is. And so I think sometimes is that is that actually beneficial? So I think more being dialed in intentional about if it was 20 reps, like, you know, when you talk about in game, in game strategy, like how many pitches did I win this tonight? Mm. I saw 20 pitches over four at-bats roughly, right? Or 15. How many can I honestly, at the end of the game, right? You're sitting in your locker. Can you go back? Because you can name every pitch you saw or every count you had. And you go, I mean, did I win? Okay. You know, I, 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 and I don't mean like a result, right? I don't mean that you, you, yeah, you may have barreled it hard. That's a great, that's a win. You may have had a strikeout, but I think there's, an, there's a purposeful strikeout, right? I mean, you're competing. The guy just makes a good pitch. That's not necessarily a loss mentally. Now, if I'm not ready to hit, I don't have a plan. I'm just like here. I've been there before, right? You're just, you're, you're not present. Those are losses. So like if I lost 10 pitches that night, well, I can go, okay, I can see where some deficiencies were. So I think how that relates to practice routine, probably just being more processed about like, okay, I'm just going to barrel this up, looking to barrel. I'm going to be on time and barrel it up and get my best swing off mm -hmm. and, and results are results, right? I can't control results. If I can control results, then I could tell the ball to come to me, right? Or I can control winning. Right. I mean, sort of put a ball on the ground and be like, come to me. Yeah. I ain't moving. Right. So it's so easy to what's next. What's next. Got to do this. Got to do this. And I think sometimes you just feel like you're kind of on that treadmill, just running instead of just being like, all right, I'm going to embrace it. Yeah. You know, today, yeah, today was my day. I'm going to come back tomorrow. Right. I mean, I think that was the, as you know, right. As in coaching, especially in you know, professional ball, as pro ball, like I'm not hitting tomorrow at all. Right. No, no chance I'm going to be there. I know you didn't have that much as a coach option, but like I would then go, guy would like be leaving, be like, Hey, you'll come early, hit tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, I'll be here. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> You're like, like this sick disease. So yeah, yeah I, I, I know it's a long, again, long winded answer, but I think, yeah, the process of that, just giving grace for yourself to game's hard, man. Game's hard. Like you're going to just not going to happen the way you want it to all the time. You were teammates with Dan Ugla for a little bit, weren't you? Yeah, Popeye. Great. Yeah, Popeye. So I remember yeah. he had this this workout routine. It was like his forearm workout routine that I think was on the internet. It probably wasn't even his. I don't even know. But I remember doing that thing religiously, just wanting to get forearms like him. Uh, he was, Uggs was awesome. He, uh, in fact, actually, I'm off. He's got, he's got his I-13 right behind me. So he was, oh, he was nice. a great teammate. Like, uh, that's because, yeah, he was just strong. Like, played hard every night. But one of the only people I knew that could literally use a ash bat during BP and obviously big league grains are awesome but it never hardly fright like it never splintered so he tells you how much he, he barreled up balls especially in bp so what, what was the greatest moment of your career playing career i would i mean uh, it at any level doesn't have to be don't have to be professional anything well uh, I, so I'll, I'll can i cheat a little bit and just say and there's nothing like even in high school and college for team wise coming together and and, and winning a championship you know the, the value of just winning as 
a team of what's the objective or objective is to win or win your conference, get to the world series, wherever, like that's it. And so what like dog piling when, when I was at middle Tennessee state, I played my college baseball, we went into this conference tournament as an eight seed or the last seed in and end up getting hot and dog piling and beating Louisiana, Laf Louisiana Lafayette. I mean, those are memories that you're together and you went, you know what you all went through. Right. And, um, so those are always awesome. I tell you what, another one that comes to my mind off that off the top of my, my head is when having the opportunity to, to play for team USA, going to other countries, playing against Cuba. I mean, that was some, that brought back a lot of the why in playing and, and competing was just the pure joy of like, we didn't care how many hits you had. You didn't care. I mean, you were, there was no, I've been advancing my career here other than going, how do I represent Team USA to win and, and do the best we can? And that was fun. From an individual standpoint, I mean, there's nothing like that first call up, that first day where you're, I mean, I was just floating. I didn't, couldn't hardly get my feet under me. And then probably the biggest, probably just my first major league home run coming off Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson. That's yeah. a good first home run. Yeah, I can't complain. And yeah, I think it was like on my hundredth at bat in the big leagues inside so up to this point, I'm like, man. When am I going to finally run into one? You know, because you want to, if you're going to get there, right? You want to hopefully hit one over. So yeah, it was a surreal night. So but yeah, that was, a, that was a fun, that was a fun career moment for that, for sure. So. How, how, how was it facing Randy Johns? I mean, obviously I know you hit the home run, but I mean, what was it? I mean, was it hard to pick up because of how tall he was? Like, what, what, what was it like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I obviously got him in the time when his career was, he just had actually the Monday before or his start before won his 300th game. Um, so that was kind of cool. Like you're going to chance to play not only, you know, I grew up playing video games with him in it, you know, you're like, and I think when he's not, he wasn't the 98, you know, like just slinging it, but it was still 9092, but this is such a big presence that his release point was like, it got on you I and mean, it felt so that was, I mean, yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was a moment that I'll never forget. And just the opportunity to get in the box and compete against him was, was a, was a surreal night for sure. So I want to, I want to talk about your own organization now, BC athletics. Mm. How did, how did that kind of come about? And then like, take me through on how that all works. Yeah. So as I was kind of turning, telling you earlier, when I was looking as I was transitioning out kind of figuring out, okay, what, what's, what's next. And, you know, discussing that with my wife and my family. And, um, you know, I, again, I kind of just felt this calling into coaching and using it for greater purpose of just helping young kids, you know, giving back. But then also, I mean, yes, it's a, it's, we're a for-profit business. We have to, to make a living and, but just trying to look in those avenues of, of, okay, what can we make the greatest impact in? And travel ball is, you know, sometimes it cannot be the greatest place and greatest experience. And so just seeing kind of the cultural pressure put on some of these kids at a young age. I mean, so there was, that kind of started and the reason that it got named BC athletics, honestly, I joke about this now because I'm like, man, I sh maybe I should have named it more, a little bit more of a generic name, like Grand Slam Athletics or something, right? Because <laughs> I'm like, but the reason I did that was because guys, that was kind of my nickname when I played was BC and I wanted it to be kind of an authentic thing. But the greatest thing is when people don't even, so they go, like I had a guy the other day go, hey, this is going to sound silly, but I just realized the BC stands for your name. I'm like, that's a great thing. Like, that's not about me. Like, that's, that's awesome. Like, I, that's the best thing, right? Like, yeah. cause I don't need to be the guy there, you know? So that's how that started. Started slow. Just wanted to try to grow it slow. I mean, I'm learning a lot. I mean, I, as, as a business owner, I mean, like I mean, learning how to do things, learning how to didn't fully know the landscape of what travel ball was. And I mean, gosh, it's been so many years since I had been out of it. And so just learning as I kind of went, I mean, that's kind of how that evolved. And, you know, then it really kind of mainly started with basically one or two teams and outside of like personal instruction, doing camp, trying to just provide quality teaching of the game, development of the game. I mean, w watching these kids develop, like helping them understand the long-term and parents understand the long-term process of that. If their, if their skill set continues to grow towards that, like if you can tell if you know, the game's measured by tools, but like, gosh, I love to put a, we're trying to put a label on a 10 year old when 
he's going to look so much different when he grows into his man body, goes through puberty, all the goes through the different, maybe the distractions, bad distractions that can happen, right? I mean, I mean, just, so I think that's, I just really initially that was to help the youth and help give them an environment that could help them thrive and learn the game. We want them to compete to win, but who remembers the Burger King championship you won 10 years old? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to say like he didn't care, but like just bigger, bigger picture, you know, and helping these kids and, and families really. Cause I think, I think it's just a lot of pressure from the parents too, right? They think, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. If I don't play here, that means I'm missing out. If I'm not taking lessons, I'm missing out. And I think lessons are great. I think you can provide value if the, if the right instruction is going on, or it, but there's also great for time off. So kind of those different areas is how it started. And then, and then we, we launched a postgraduate program back in 2020, kind of the COVID year, not really not knowing that was going to be happening. We had already been in this conversations about it that fall. And that's been a blessing. That's been an awesome thing because as you as going through kind of the landscape of the travel ball, I really like the relational side. And so a buddy of mine who had been, he'd done a great job of running a, a, a post-grad program who I used to hit with. He, I mean, just as a man, that sounds awesome. Like to do, and I don't know if you're going to do this, I'm maybe cutting it short, but I, I, Sean Hughes, our head coach of that, like he was, he was a former college coach, played professional baseball. And he was like, I could tell his son was going to be getting, getting ready to graduate and go on and play. And I think he, he really wanted to get back in the college game. And so I was like, man, here's an opportunity. Would you be interested in really kind of helping head this up? And he was like, man, I love it. So that's been an awesome thing because it kind of counterbalances some of the travel ball stuff is because you do get, we've got kids on our team right now from 15 different states and you get to do life with them every day, right? So you get to know them better. You get to know their story, their journey, and you get to see the improvement in front of you versus sometimes the travel ball is kind of in and out. You know what I mean? Like it's right. you get them for a couple of months and they're gone. They go to school ball as they should. They come back to you. So that's, that's really cool. cool. I mean, 15 states. I mean, did people just word of mouth and just got out or how did that work? A little bit of everything. Yeah, it's, it's humbling. I mean, again, I've got an awesome group of guys around me that just do such a fabulous job. And and Sean being one of those and that that from the postgrad side, just contacting kids, reaching out. I don't know how much that social media has helped. I don't know. But just connections. I mean, the first year was a little bit more around this area in Tennessee. And then, it, yeah, it's kind of grown. We had a far, we have a kid on roster this year from California. We had our first kid from Canada this year. Wow. So, I mean, it, with the landscape of how things are in college baseball, it's a unique niche for sure. I mean, no kid out of high school goes, I hope I go to a post-grad program. But I think just due to the current landscape of everything and how transfer portal and guys got hurt. I can't tell you how many guys we have that have got maybe missed their, some of their senior year due to an injury. So they get a chance to really put it together. So. It's kind of across the board on that. Yeah, I saw you guys just had a, a college scout day where you had some. Yeah. And yeah, which is, I thought it was a great idea. How many how many schools were, were you able to make it? Yeah, this year we ended up having 20. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's been fun. I mean, like that's, just love to, again, connect with coaches, build relationships. I mean, you said it at the coaches conference. I mean, I thought your your layout and plan was awesome because that's that's kind of the 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 process of this going through because it's not all one side it's not all oh i gotta have social media i gotta do this it's like it's a little bit of everything and so our biggest thing is those coaches were gracious enough to come and look at our postgrad guys in the morning we took them through a workout we had lunch together and then our high school guys came in in the afternoon high school players that this could be a potential good experience for them or, or the time that they would need to kind of and we really limited like pitchers throw i mean our postgrad guys have been on a throwing program so i mean there wasn't anything yeah. for them to we want to be careful. We very communi communicate clearly to our families. Like if your son has not been doing anything at all, like maybe not the wisest to do it, but, um, but we, we, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good, good day. And those guys taking the time to come out and just, you know, kind of continue that conversations with our players, with coaches. So. 
what are what are some of the things that that you've learned about the recruiting process since since you've started not just the postgrad program but maybe maybe just that too but also just the last several years yeah i mean it's i mean it's a challenge due to and you talked a lot of college coaches depending on where they are and what level it's like i mean these 18 year olds are going in which has been a good thing for having a postgrad program with these 18 year olds going in competing against 24 year olds with mustaches or potentially married families, right? I mean, like, so um, I, I think creating credibility with coaches, it, 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 that helps. I think that, that, I hope that would matter to a coach, right? That you know who you're connecting with and what's speaking on behalf of a player. But, and then it's also, it's also a challenge too, to, to, to sometimes to connect with coaches. I mean, they're, I get it. They're bombarded by emails after emails after emails. And so just getting, but uh, you know, as in baseball, like it's such a, I've always viewed it, and it's kind of how I grew up, and it was just, it's a, it is really such a big fraternity, and that you're usually like a few conversations away from, oh, I, I play with that guy, or I know that guy, or hey, who's over there now? Like, and so when you start to kind of do your research and start to figure some things out, you're like, oh, like, yeah, we, we, I, I know who he is, or we, and so I don't know, if, truthfully, if I'm, I mean, well, I actually would love to hear your answer to that. What do you feel like has been through your process of it? What do you feel like has been something that, you've learned through it now getting kind of more into it versus when, when you were the Orioles. Yeah. As I would say like when I first got, got into, well, I, I knew what a professional prospect looked like. I knew what a first round pick looked right. like, but I wasn't as good as knowing what's the difference between a, a mid-major D one versus a D two or high or a high D two or a D three player. And so I would say that's probably what I've learned the most yes. is the differences between like D3, D2, and D1, that mid-major, anybody can pick out, you know, the power five player, like one of the best in the country. That's easy. But I would say those lower tier players and knowing what schools like certain types of players too. There's, yeah, there's some schools that really love power guys and they're okay with striking out a little bit. Other school, other coaches, they, they want to put the ball in play and they want to have some speed. So I just, I would say that's probably... Uh, what I've learned the most and, and re- knowing what type of program what they kind of look for in players what kind of skill set like I know there's a junior college right area that's like power arms and power bats is what they want right I mean that that's and so that that's that's exactly right because that's that's what I've that's one thing I've learned is knowing okay what kind of guys do you guys like I mean I had to educate myself too on just different the different levels and different I mean and now I mean now again how it's changed with D1 guys are playing a D2 and then kind of the trickle effect. I mean, it's all, I mean, I've always said there's, there is great, there's great baseball on all levels. You know, I, I completely understand every kid, every kid as they should, should dream about playing in division one. If that, if, and if they've got the work ethic and the skill and the tools that play at that certain school, but no kid goes, Oh, I hope I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to shoot for D1. Well, yeah. But then, then as you work through the process of that, then figuring out what's, where, where that, where their skill set lies, you know I mean? But I think that's what you were, you were talking about with the fits of how you talk to schools and you were about to ask me a question that went out. Oh, well, I think one of the things that I, I was just going to ask is you do doing the post-grad stuff. So how, how does that work? So there's going to be listeners listening to this. I mean, we got people like actually in different countries listening to this too. What is post-grad? How does it work? What's the point of it? Like, can you just give everybody a little bit of brief, brief background who may not even know what it is? Well, my, my question is, if someone, if someone doesn't know, like, what exactly is the purpose of a, of a post-grad program? Because mm-hmm. there's people on here who may not even have heard of that before. Sure. sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, had, I didn't know what that meant. I mean, obviously, you hear about a gap year in other sports. But, yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got 
in the, this is our third season, really, especially with it kind of being launched during COVID. I mean, how many kids you had that were still had aspirations of playing college baseball, but due to all of how things shifted, I mean, you know, there was good players still that were available or kids that really need extra work. They maybe, maybe they come from a smaller high school. Maybe they played three sports in high school and didn't get a chance to focus on one. Although I think that's great to be a multiple sport athlete. It just provides, it provides nine months. They arrive in August. And they leave and we play, we play about 20 games in the fall against colleges around here from D2 JV programs to junior colleges to NAIA. And it doesn't count against their college eligibility. So they basically come here. We're not limited by time from a, you know, with, with our, we're not sanctioned by anything. So it's like, we can practice for 24 hours if we want to, but just to get them stronger speed. I mean, all the tools it takes to play. And just maximize their God-given ability, like wherever that is. Like, and say, hey, if, you, if you're telling us you really want this, okay, we're going to lay out a process. I've, like I said, I've been graced with the, with the great staff that been around the game, has a lot of baseball knowledge and experience that can help provide that as well. And, and so they come here for nine months. And we, I mean, we've got apartments right across the street that they can live in. They can walk to the facility. And it's actually right where we're stationed is there's a community college that our guys can walk out of the back apartments and walk down to the community college, community college to take college courses. They can take a certain amount of college courses that doesn't count against their academic eligibility at all. So it's like, it's almost like this year didn't happen, but they're still getting what a full experience of college baseball to the degree is we, in the spring we've got right now, Sean, it's, we've scheduled like 50 games for double headers against schools anywhere from, I mean, we're, our furthest travels about three or four hours, but we'll go, I mean, and so yeah, it gives them a chance. And we've had guys who come through this and go, you know what? I, I'm good. Like I realize I'm ready to move on with my life and go do something else. And then you've got guys that you just see flourish. I mean, they got hurt. I mean, we had a, we had a, we've had a kid before that due to an injury, a shoulder injury, their senior year, we had a kid blow his knee out in the winter time doing wrestling. A kid hurt his ankle the second game of the season. Who's he's now he's at a really good junior college. Like, so you see that it just allows them some opportunity and time to go and, and failure. I mean, now the college landscape, right? I mean, you do such a great job in your podcast and the guys you interview and stuff like, I mean, you look at, I mean, the, the, the roster sizes and things, it's depending on the program or, or the opportunity and window to maximize playing time. This gives you a chance for guys to come here. Some guys come here two ways and we say, Hey, we're going to let you give that opportunity until maybe you realize, you know, I, this is my best shot at continuing playing. And we and, and obviously we, maybe we'll help you see that too. We want to give them a chance to, to, to prove that. Right. I can think of the one guy kid we had that every time he would hit, it was just like, he was putting himself in a timeout. He just, it's stressful. Like he just, and I get it hitting stressful at times, but, but he would get on the mound and he just, it was like his happy place. Right. And he could just tell, he was like, I believe in my abilities. Uh, and he had pretty good stuff. He had a good frame to grow into, put on some weight. And we've had guys this fall and we tried to have already averaged 15 to 20 pounds of extra weight put on. Some guys need to lose some weight, get in a little bit better shape. But this kid in particular, I was like, Hey, let me ask you something. When you hit, what do you feel? Ah, I mean, I just get, you know, just, just doing this. Okay. Yeah. It's understandable. When you get on the mound, what, 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 what happens inside? What goes on? He goes, man, I just, I'm like, you want to go do that more? He's like, yeah, I want to do that. And I was like, well, and in fact, on scout day, not this past one, this is our first year. He ended up blowing his hamstring out or hurting it, straining it on this on a spring. And that kind of was a day where he's like, you know what? I'm gonna come back from this and I'm just going all in on pitching. And now he's at a division two school and he just came in here the other day and said, Yeah, coach is, you know, I've had a little shoulder issues this fall, but they see me helping in the back end of the bullpen. So it's just really cool stories that that it just allows that time for guys wherever they're at in their journey. We don't take everybody, obviously. We don't that we can't do that, but we want 
if we can't know that we can't feel like we can help the kid in nine months, then it may not be a fit for, for them either. So that's kind of the process of it. And then, but you also have travel teams too at, at younger ages, right? So how, yeah. what, what's your take on, on travel baseball the way <laughs> it is right now? Oh man, where do we start? Love the, I just think, I, I mean, I'm a dad, so I get it. You, you want your kids to excel in what they want to do, if they want to do it right. I mean, you want to see them well, you know, it's hard, or you want to see them do well. You, you hate to see them fail, but I think there's such beauty in that of watching them work through it themselves. Right. And so I think with travel ball now though, we're, because we're, these kids are playing so many games, they're throwing all year. I mean, like it, it's starting so young. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many kids I just look at and you, or you can talk to and they're just going like a timeout. They're not enjoying it. Right. I mean, Steve Springer, it's just things he talks about all the time. Like, playing the game at the timeout. We're not, we're not, we're not enjoying it. I think, I think there has to be a progression about in the youth. It's about learning the game, enjoying it with your buddies, right? Go get ice cream after the game, after you play. And then as things start to go, you start to go through puberty, you start to get on a big field where you're playing real baseball now, where there's actual, a lot of new elements in, into the game. And then you get into high school. Now you go through the high school demand about depending on where you're at, like some do a little bit, some do a lot, some do just middle of the road. But I mean, I, I think I, it still has not changed a whole lot from when I experienced it from a relational side about a player. You know, I mean, I got to, I got to Middle Tennessee State from, from a phone call from a coach that coached me in the fall in high school. And his son had played like, so there was a relationship there. They go, okay, yeah, let's take a look. I think, I think there's, because there's, there's so much and so long year round now, I just think there's, there's some zeal for the game that can be missing, or it's just kind of that on social media and nothing, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a get off my lawn guy, but I don't think there could be some value to that, but I think then there, then it's not like how you're playing the game, right? What's your makeup like? I mean, you think about, I tell kids this all the time is like playing now in your generation is be so easy to stand out just because of how, how you play the game, how hard you play the game, you hustle on off the field, your makeup, like that could stand out so easy to coach. If that's what a coach values, which you talk, I'm sure you've interviewed a lot of coaches in here. I'm, I'd say 89, 90, 80 to 95% are probably like, yeah, we want guys to get after it, to play hard. That, that, at least, at least 95%. At least, I, would, <laughs> no, I was trying to be generous. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, that was part of the reason why I did this is because I wanted to, to kind of push back a little bit, if I will, against some of the culture stuff and the pressures of not just what maybe parents are putting on their kids indirectly. Maybe they don't even realize they're doing it, but also the pressure that's put on the parents. I mean, how do we kind of be a voice of reason in this and, and not, not say we're not going to not play competitive tournaments or do this or do that, but how do we still do this where the kid is still enjoying it? And maybe he comes to that crossroad going, yeah, you know what? I'm ready. To, my desires are changing. I want to go do something different. Now. I want to play. To, hey, that's great. Like, but it's not because of, man, this is just 24 seven. It's just, I mean, I, I mean, it's not, I mean, they're, they're, you know, there of course has to be work ethic. And if you enjoy doing it, you're going to want to work at it. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of goofy sometimes. I mean, it really is. I don't know another way to say it. How do you know what tournaments to to send the teams to? I mean, I think you're, I think that's still kind of a, a learning process. I mean, I think we understand from the business side about tournaments and venues. I think sometimes getting feedback from from players and parents about hey, what was the experience like? What did you think it was? You know, like okay, you know what? That may not have been the great great place. We may not go there in the future. Or you know, that was that was a good experience. There there was some exposure there. I mean, I, I think I think there's some smoke and mirrors on that sometimes that we just think every turn we go to that the eight o'clock game that's 20 minutes away from the main field is going to be, I mean, yes, maybe, but kind of like playing in the, I mean, 
I, I, and it's hard to find now, but if tournaments really ran from Thursday, Friday through Sunday, like they used to, I think that would help a lot because it's like, I mean, come on, like who has, who, how does parents have all this vacation time to take off a Tuesday through Sunday and play one game a day and then sit in the hotel the rest of the day. And it's just a lot like, and I, and I understand, I'm not trying to get I'm, I'm sure it's may ruffle feathers, but I just, the, the reality, I got that. I think that's where we're just, where it makes the experience just not that enjoyable. Right. Because kids have lives too. They're high school kids or youth kids. And they have life outside of playing in a tournament. Like, and I think, so I, I think that, I mean, competition is great. Like we want to play in competitive tournaments. Nothing wrong with that. I think if it's a tournament though, that it is, is gives you a, a good amount. If they have a complex that you're actually going to be at versus, you know, you're, you're 30 minutes away from that. I mean, I know sometimes that scheduling is scheduling and I think just quality of competition is good value of the experience and, and the, in the venue that you're actually, you think you're playing at that you get to play at. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And I, I, I agree with you in the sense that the majority of games that you play in, I mean, aren't going to have anybody there watching, right? right? I mean, the, the colleges really only go and follow the top teams at the tournament because the D3 and D2 schools, they don't have the budget to just be driving all over the country, right. watch kids. So yeah, I, now I don't know how you necessarily fix that, or maybe it shouldn't necessarily go to those tournaments. I think the doing one a day is insane to me and staying there for a week. Or eight yeah. days. It's expensive. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a FOMO. It's just a fear of missing out for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's exactly right. So we kind of get wedged in between the culture of like, oh, do you want one of your kids to go on to play college? I love that. I want them to dream big of that. I think there's no better thing as a coach to see them go after their dreams of it. And not maybe everyone in that roster has that same dream. That's okay. Just give your effort and play hard when you're out there playing to be a great teammate. But yeah, I mean, I, I get that that it's 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 crazy. I mean, like, you know, you may have a kid for few years of organization and then I mean, the golden carrot gets dangled and you lose them you know that happens right. so right. yeah i mean it's a it's a challenge i mean i i get it it's a it's a it, it, you know there's it's a well i'll i'll refrain from saying that <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. awesome hey yeah. brett I, I i appreciate you coming on today i know you got some family stuff with the holidays you gotta do so, okay. but i appreciate you coming on if someone wants to get in touch with you like what would be the best best way to do that yeah, I mean, our so we've kind of got with our organization, we've got two. When you talk about the travel ball and youth, it's vcathleticsnox.com. That kind of gives a little website information. And then our, our postgrad side is, is www.bcacollegebaseball.com. I mean, our, our, our Twitter, we are on Twitter. It's a BC under, underscore athletics underscore. And so, yeah, I mean, we've, we're social media, Instagram, BC Athletics Knox. So, yeah, I mean, um, that's probably the good the best places to check that out on so okay awesome man information about us yeah so all right appreciate yeah, you coming you on so much for having me on man it is an honor and i appreciate what you do appreciate it all right